the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Josh Pick is the Chief Investment Advisor with Aptus Wealth Management, a state-registered investment advisory firm. This program is sponsored by Aptus Wealth Management. Exposure to ideas and financial vehicles discussed should not be considered investment advice or recommendation to buy or sell financial vehicles. This information should not be considered tax or legal advice. Individuals should consult with professionals to see if any ideas expressed would fit their specific situation. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results. Securities can fluctuate and when redeemed may be more or less than when originally invested. You're listening to the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Radio Show. I'm Bruce Hooley here with Josh Pick of Aptus Wealth Management. Aptus is located in Lewis Center, just off Route 750. Their phone number is 614-917-1040. Why would you need to know that? Because you can call it and set up a free consultation with Josh and the Aptus team. Get a plan. They call it a blueprint to work toward financial independence later in life. A lot of things can come up. End-of-life care Volatility in the market now is taking a chunk out of people's retirement savings. Do you have a 401k? Are you maxing it out? What's your stomach for volatility? And Josh and his team do a great job of asking you the questions that will help you understand the process of saving toward retirement. And if you and your spouse are on different pages, you might be surprised to have that conversation with Aptus to talk those things out and find out that it's much easier to reach an accord than perhaps you thought. Don't put it off just because you think it's unpleasant. It's something that's very consequential. Set up your appointment, 614-917-1040, or you can make the appointment online at aptuswealth, A-P-T-U-S, aptuswealth.com. And I'm thinking about what you uh, have said to me is a headline you read on your way to a conference in New York that a lot of young people are starting to save for retirement now, which is a good sign. You like people to start as early as possible. Uh, is there a possibility that if you start early enough, then when you get into 40s, 50s, you don't have to commit as much of your income to retirement savings as perhaps you did because you started early? Absolutely. And unfortunately, it's not usually the way that it happens. You know, when we get out of, uh, we get straight into the workforce, we're usually making a lower amount of money and we start to rationalize in our head that we don't have anything to save. So we'll start saving 10 years from now, we start actually making money. Sure. And the unfortunate reality of that is if we just assume a 7.2% average annual rate of return, there's this thing called the rule of 72. So if you take the number 72, divide it by an interest rate, it tells you how long it takes your money to double. So if we got a 7.2% average annual rate of return, our money would double every 10 years. Well, if we use the historical average of the market, which is substantially higher than that, that would be less than 10 years. So just think of it this way. For every 8 to 10 years that you wait to start saving, you will have to save twice as much per month as you would have had to have done 8 to 10 years prior to that, at minimum. So, you know, it, it, to answer your question, if you started saving 10, 15, 20% of what you were making in your 20s and 30s, that is the equivalent of saving 30 or 40% mm. if you started saving in your 40s and 50s. So, you know, which one is more advantageous? Time is your largest asset. Compound interest is the most powerful force in all of investing. 
irrespective of what you end up putting your money into. Yeah, certainly. And of course, you want to be in the very best investments possible. And that's why a professional wealth advisor, a fiduciary, somebody who is bound by law to do what's best for you, that's why that makes sense. That's why we're here, because that is Josh Pick and the Aptis team. 614-917-1040, their number. They're located in Lewis Center, as I said. That's a little bit north of 270 and 23, but they also consult with a lot of their clients remotely. That's one of the advantages that we got out of Zoom and uh, the pandemic. There weren't many, but that's one of them. So you can be a client outside the area as easily as you can be one inside the area. Okay, the conventional wisdom used to be that if you could save a million dollars for retirement, you were set. We talked about starting early and the power of compound interest, but we're in an inflationary period, so prices have gone up across the board. Is a million dollars still the sweet spot for most people? You know, it's, it's interesting that you ask because I read two articles on the plane coming back from New York, and I thought this was such an interesting uh, bookended kind of juxtaposition, juxtaposition between two very different ideologies that was in the same magazine. So on one hand, you have from Market Watch, you have how do I need to re- how much do I need to retire? Is three million enough? Oh, and then the next article that I read was with Morningstar, and it said, "Is working longer a realistic cure for retirement?" So on one hand, you have people saying, "I'm going to need at least three million bucks to retire." And on the other hand, I'm never going to retire. I'm just going to work for the rest of my life. So let's let's kind of speak to both of those. Is three million enough? One arbitrary numbers are just that; they're arbitrary. Is three million mu- enough? It might be far too much for one person, and it might be far too little for another. Um, but in this particular survey, they uh, in, they surveyed 500 investors, and they said they would need at least three to five million dollars to adequately retire. I don't know what road they were on invested. In Maybe they're furnishing their house with all Versace or something. But you know, the, the unfortunate reality is, while there will be several people, and I have many clients that are in that category, it's probably unrealistic for a lot of Americans, particularly in spite of everything that's happened in the economy here as of late. But Rather than kind of harping on an individual number, what we should be speaking to, but it's not nearly clickbaity enough and it's not as exciting enough to put in an article, we should be saying, what are the factors that one needs to consider to determine how much money they're going to need to retire on? In other words, quit comparing yourself to the Joneses or whomever else. Sure. Start actually sitting down and crunching some numbers. On the other hand, though, I think that this ideology of I'm going to need $5 million, throw my hands up in the air, I'll never get there, so I might as well just work for the rest of my life, is kind of a scapegoaty answer. Or say, yeah, I'm not saving a lot, but you know, then you'll hear all the, the phrases. They don't put luggage racks on Hertz's anymore, so you might as well spend it while you got it, yeah. right? Um, so my retirement plan is work until the day I die. Well, unfortunately, that's not necessarily a very good theory. And it's not because of, you know, well, one day you're going to want to retire. Well, I'm not saying that at all. Maybe you don't want to retire and you want to work forever. Quite frankly, you and I have had conversations about it's kind of ironic that I'm in the retirement planning business and I don't really anticipate ever retiring, Mm -hmm. which is why we call it financial independence. And why is financial independence so important? Because although many Americans right now are saying, I'm just going to work forever, the current median retirement age in the United States is 62. So that means half the people are retiring before 62 and half after median yes only seven percent of retirees actually retired over the age of 69 42 percent retired before the age of 61 and you'd say why is that are they just independently wealthy 
What is happening that is allowing them to do this? Well, there's a big difference between dreams and reality. And the dream might be, I want to live as big as I can, and I'll just work forever to solve that problem. But unfortunately, life gets in the way and life happens. And a large percentage of people end up retiring early for reasons beyond their control. Mm. Think health-related concerns. Sure, sure. And you'd say, well, you know, I'm healthy. Plus, if I'm sick, who cares? I don't need money. I'm just going to die anyway. I, I hear these types of things from clients all the time. It might not be you that you're quitting your job to take care of. It might be a loved one. It might be your parents. It might be your spouse. Or you might have your job removed whether you were expecting it or not. Think COVID. Yeah. Bad timing. Bad timing happens. So I think you know the takeaway between these two bookended items is, no, you don't necessarily need 3 to $5 million, so don't throw your hands up in the air. It's probably a lot less than that. And two, saying, well, that's overwhelming, so I'm just going to you know, boo-hoo as me and not do anything, that's a foolish decision. Yeah, it is. It really is because you are not often in control of those circumstances, but you are in control now as to whether or not you understand retiring and the importance of saving for retirement and bulletproofing yourself to the extent that is possible by saving. And one way that you can do that is to get a plan, understand the plan. It's much easier to get on board a plan when you understand it. That's what I gained from sitting with Josh and his team with my wife. And we became clients. You may not, but I mean, you're not out anything. The consultation is free. 614-917-1040. 614-917-1040. Aptus Wealth, the website, aptuswealth.com. Josh has a YouTube channel where he posts a lot of content and it's posted in small doses, so you can find a topic that interests you. Maybe it's on annuities or bonds or stocks or what's going on in the market now or explaining the latest Fed rate hike or whatever it is. And then you can watch that content on a pace that works for you. You can share it with friends. You can rewatch it. Subscribe to the YouTube channel by signing up online, Aptus Wealth, A-P-T-U-S, AptusWealth.com. Just click the subscriber button, and then you'll be notified every time he posts new content. So there used to be this thought out there that, how much you would need in retirement, whether it's a million or three million, would be 80% of your pre-retirement income. You would need that much income in retirement. We've talked before about some of these assumptions we made over the years and these buzzwords and buzz phrases and whether they're still in vogue, whether they're still true or not true. When you hear people say, uh, I'm going to need 80% because I read it in a magazine or I saw a clickbait headline or whatever, what do you think of that kind of supposed truism that's out there that you need 80% of your pre-retirement income annually in retirement? Well, I think they're rules of thumb. I mean, for example, um, I could say that you ice cream is not good for you, so never eat it. Or we could say maybe eating ice cream in moderation is okay, Yeah. right? So rules of thumb are good, but they're not the end-all be-all. Now, if you're you know, lactose intolerant and diabetic, well, eating ice cream is probably not a great choice for you. But that doesn't mean that it's a bad choice for everybody. So these rules of thumb, just kind of throw them out the window. But if you're using that as a good kind of, I'm going to shoot for it, that's that's great. Uh, one thing that came out of, um, you know, my trip and reading and speaking with the folks over at Standard & Poor's that I thought was very interesting, that is completely contradictory to everything that we've believed in uh, kind of retirement income over time, is... Whether or not you need more money as years go on in retirement. Now, we know that inflation's an issue. Sure. For sure. So we're going to need more money every single year as inflation goes up. And 
Nothing speaks louder to that than our inflationary environment today. So I'm not suggesting in the, the, the numbers that I'm about to give you that that does not mean that inflation is an issue. So we're definitely going to need more as a result of inflation. However, there's this concept that was put out by the Research Institute over at Morningstar Investments in Chicago where they call it the uh, retirement smile. Isn't that beautiful? Yeah, right? oh, I love that. The retirement smile. And the retirement smile is um, really just an illustration. Think of a smile. It's an illustration that in the first couple of years of your retirement, you will, on average, spend a lot more money than you typically do. Think of taking the trips you always wanted to take. Oh, okay. Doing all the things when you're in your first couple of years of retirement. But then as things start to settle in, as we get older and older, we tend to hang out more closer to home and not do as much. Um, we tend to not drift too far away from our doctors and our hospitals. <laughs> and we probably can think of people who are in this category today. And then as we reach, unfortunately, that end of life kind of end zone uh, situation, um, then we typically spend a little bit more money on uh, health care. But believe it or not, the average retiree ignoring inflation spends about 1% less per year heading into retirement. Now, why is that important? It does not mean that you shouldn't plan for having enough income to retire, but what it does mean, and it does not mean that you shouldn't you know, pay attention to inflation, but what it does mean is in spite of all of the inflationary environment that we have and people being really terrified and paranoid about, man, I'm going to need 6 7% more per year, there is a little bit of a buffer in there that we're probably not considering. So I'm not going to take into account and say, well, we're going to drop it down, but it does add in a little bit of buffer knowing that we're probably not going to spend as much as we think we are throughout retirement. Josh Pick, Bruce Hooley with you, the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Radio Show. Tell your friends about it. Listen to it when it airs for the first time, 7 p.m. Friday night. It replays at noon on Saturday. If you would like to get with Josh and his team for a free consultation, you can set that up online at Aptus Wealth, A-P-T-U-S, aptuswealth.com, or by calling the office, 614-917-1040. So when you're at this conference, you're talking to people, you know, immersed deeply in the financial world and other people who are fiduciary financial planners like yourself. Is there a consensus now about what's working for a lot of clients? I'm wondering, you know, we've talked about insurance options here. We've talked about annuities. We've talked about bonds. We've talked about stocks and IRAs and Roth IRAs and all that. Uh, just generally, like, is there a consensus about that at this point? Yeah, I think there were a few very clear-cut consensuses among, amongst everybody. Obviously, everybody has their own opinions. They're coming from different states, different walks of life, different clientele, different everything. But one, the general belief is taxes as a whole will be going up. Now, that does not necessarily mean that tax rates, which is what we typically focus our energies on, yes. will be going up. But there's been some underhanded tax plays that seems to be the way of the future that has been really going on for about the last 10 or 20 years. And that is, let's not change the rate because that's politically unfavorable. Let's change the deductions, <laughs> which is the same thing as changing the rate. So if you look at your, you say, I made 100 grand last year and my tax bill was 10 grand. I made 100 grand this year. My tax bill was 12 grand. But when I go in and it says I'm in the same tax bracket, how is that possible? That's how. Let's just eliminate the amount of things that you can deduct and eliminate the amount of exemptions that you receive. We believe that that will, or at least the consensus of the group was that will continue. So tax planning will become uh, very, very important. Think of Roth conversions and things we've talked about mm -hmm. on the show in the past. The other thing that was uh, a belief that you know I brought up and, and was uh, – kind of a general consensus is that when times get bad, uh, people tend to flock to safety. So over the last several years, the last 
really three to five years as volatility is starting to pick up. And we were, you know, once things start going really, really well, which we're in the longest bull run in the history of the stock markets, people start getting a little bit panicky. So they start flocking to fixed investments. And one of the fixed investments that they flocked to uh, was fixed and fixed indexed annuities, which is not a bad move. However, those fixed and fixed indexed annuity contracts rates are determined based upon the prevailing interest rates at the time. So people were leaving the stock market to go into a fixed interest rate environment when rates were at the lowest they'd ever been in the history of the economy. Yeah. And you would think then that, well, as time goes on, my rates will start climbing. History would prove that insurance companies base the rates that you buy in and just hold them into the entire duration of the contract. And hopefully you're lucky enough that they never lower them because they always have that ability, or at least most contracts do. So think of it this way. You decided, I want to take some risk off the table, so I'm going to go into this fixed index annuity contract that allows me uh, you know, zero risk, but I get uh, 30% of the upside of the S&P 500 because the 30% of the upside of the S&P 500 was determined based upon where rates and volatility were at the time. Well, fast forward to today, and now we have CD rates at 4.5%, 5%. That same contract is now paying, instead of 30%, it might be paying 80%, and you can't get the 80 because you're stuck in the 30. Yeah. And if you leave, there's this significant penalty to do so. Insurance companies are not naive to that fact. And now as private equity companies start to get involved in the insurance space, they're trying to move the needle on their private equity purchases. So I believe that there's going to be opportunities, much like we believe in active management amongst funds and asset allocations and buying and selling individual stocks, we also believe in active management amongst the fixed income elements of your portfolio. So as these companies start to come up with these offsets, think I get a 5% surrender, but the company really wants my business, so they're willing to give me a 8% bonus to come over. Well, on the surface, you go, well, if it sounds too good to be true, it probably is. Mm-hmm. I would be willing to bet that it is too good to be true. If they're going to give you an 8% bonus, it's probably worse rates than if they wouldn't give you a bonus. And that's true. If the company has two tandem contracts, one will have a higher rate than the one that has an 8% bonus because you can't have both. However, if you compare it to where you are today, I believe over the next six to 12 months, you will have opportunities to get a bonus on the front end of your contract. And at the same time, for many people, get a significantly higher rate of return. So if you have these old insurance contracts or old annuities, don't just put them in the file and go, well, it was a 10-year contract. I'm never going to look at it again. That is something we should be revisiting. If nothing else, it's dollar cost average out of it, just like we would with a stock portfolio and go into something else. And what does that do? Well, when you're talking about the level of inflation and rate increases that we've had over the last 12 months, we're talking about doubling, tripling your rate of return. It's a no-brainer. But why doesn't your, uh, and I'm not picking on anybody, why doesn't your insurance person necessarily talk to you about it? Well, Maybe they have 10,000 clients because they're making upfront commissions rather than, you know, holding themselves to a fiduciary standard. I'm not picking on anybody. Maybe. Maybe it's overwhelming. Maybe they don't have the staff. Maybe it's kind of a one-and-done type transaction for them. But at our office, we're always watching these things, and we're happy to help if, you, if you're looking for the help. Yeah, and if you need that help and you'd like to get with Josh and his team, no obligation, 614-917-1040, aptuswealth.com, A-P-T-U-S, aptuswealth.com. So because of what you said about the market working that maybe, you know, they're going to give people an inducement to get into something they're not in now, or they're in something that was paying them a lower rate. 
Should investors be hesitant to lock up their money in a bond, a CD, or anything for a longer period of time right now? Because there are likely coming some higher-end opportunities out there? Yeah, the answer is, and I, I hate to sound like a scapegoat answer, but it depends. Okay. And it depends on your scenario. Let me give an example. If you had cash right now and you said, I'm going to need this cash in the next five or six years, there's very little advantage to locking up your cash money for longer than nine to 12 months because CD rates on two years really don't pay any more than one year. And if your belief is that rates will continue to climb, you'll have more favorable opportunities down the line. That said, when it looks, when you're thinking about insurance products, insurance products typically have longer holds and they're slower to move. So if you're thinking about something like, well, I can get, you mean to tell me I can get 80% of whatever the S&P 500 does an 8 or 10% bonus right out of the gate, and that's just guaranteed for 10 years, that's an exchange I'm willing to make. Yeah. I'm and I'm think. happy with it because the exact opposite could happen. F- you know, flip the script back to uh, 1970, 1980. We thought we had inflation licked. The reality was we overshot the runway and we actually dropped interest rates before we turned around and raised them again. So it's very possible that these massive four in a row, three-quarter of a point you know, three quarters of a point rate rate increases, they actually do end up cooling the market beyond what the Fed had hoped. And they have to retreat a little bit. And now we're talking about lower rates. Well, and I was just thinking, you know, the Fed the last time raised rates a quarter of a percentage point, which three years ago would have been big, big. And now it's like, oh, this is good news. Everything's under control because they didn't raise it a half a point or three quarters of a point. We became desensitized to the enormous significance of one three-quarter of a point increase. And like you said, we had four of them. So I was curious today, I saw a headline that a lot of companies are buying their own stock back, and they bought a lot of stock back last year, one and a quarter trillion dollars of stock back. Facebook is doing it. Chevron is doing it. Uh, Even though apparently there's a 1% tax on corporations buying their own stock back. Um, why do corporations do that, or why would they be doing it right now, even though they're getting a penalty? Uh, well, there's a couple of reasons. One, uh, let's just think about it from an investor perspective. If you're a company and you have a pretty good inclination that your company is strong and it's doing well and your stock is trading 25% off of the peak. Yeah, well, one of these companies is Chevron, and we talked before. Chevron, the energy sector, did great last year. Shot through the roof, yeah. yeah. So different reasons, but let's cover one reason. Yeah. Obviously, we'd like to buy some of our stock at a depreciated value. Because, you know, essentially we become quasi-investors as well. That's good. Number two, does it show solidarity for the company out in the marketplace to say that we're in such a good place that we have the money to go buy back stock? Sure. Of course. Yeah. Um, Number three, supply and demand. If there's less shares outstanding, you're essentially almost via uh, an implied dividend of sorts, increasing the value of everybody's shares by buying back the stock. Now, there is a selfish flip side to that, though. If there are less shares outstanding because you own a lot of them, you just gained more control as a company, publicly traded company, because you are a predominant shareholder Mm -hmm. at this point. So you have a... You uh, have more votes. You have a larger seat at the table, Yeah, right? So there are are implied benefits. There are also implied detriments. And, uh, you know, when I was in New York, they were actually talking about this a lot, of companies buying back their stock. And it it was kind of a... Uh, a split cast room as to who believed this was companies gaining more power at the detriment of the consumer and others believing that it was a positive thing for both. And the argument was, and quite frankly, the Biden administration's argument is 
that 1% tax is not substantial enough, which would lead one to believe, if they believe the tax should be higher, that it is more beneficial for the company than it is for the consumer. So with all the things we talked about today, if people say, I want to do something right now that is proactive, what would you say? I think planning is key. Um, I think, you know, the word proactive is very important. I think many people, when they look at their retirement picture, whatever their picture is for savings, whether they're trying to save for a house or anything else, it's almost reactive or almost just complacent. You know, they're just, well, I set it and forget it kind of strategy. And while that type of approach or that disciplined approach is good, it doesn't mean that ongoing changes shouldn't be managed. You know, we talked about just a minute ago, um, you know, the changing rate environment and the opportunities that's, uh, that's opening up even in the guaranteed sector. Well, let's extrapolate that and say how many opportunities are there in the stock market. We just talked earlier uh, today about the disparity between the best performing sector last year and the worst. It was 106% difference. Yeah. So I guess you can just sit on your hands and hope that it all works out. You can sit on your hands and use one of these rules of thumb and say, well, as long as I have 80% and I'm saving 10%, then they tell me I'm going to be good. Or you can actually take just a little bit of time and find out the real answers. And that's really what we're here for. Yeah, and I, I was that person who was just, you know, kind of hoping and not knowing. And I can tell you, the peace of mind I have now, having gone in with uh, my wife and met with Josh and his team, is invaluable. I can't put a price on it. We've got a plan. We understand the plan. We're executing the plan. We really feel good about it. If you'd like to get there, set up your consultation, 614-917-1040, aptuswealth.com, A-P-T-U-S, located in Lewis Center, A-P-T-U-S, aptuswealth.com. We appreciate your time today joining us on the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Radio Show. I'm Bruce Hooley here with Josh Pick of Aptus Wealth Management. Aptus is located in Lewis Center, just off Route 750. It is not far from the 23270 interchange. These are very volatile financial times. You need a financial representative who is a fiduciary, somebody who is legally obligated to do what is best and right for you. I'm an Aptus client, and I sat for the free consultation. My wife and I really were enlightened. We gained peace of mind from it. We hope that you will take advantage of it as well. Aptus Retirement Blueprint Radio Show airs at noon on Saturday on the replay, 7 o'clock on Friday, and catch Josh with me on Mondays at 1230 on 98.9 The Answer for Money Monday. You can set up your free consultation by calling the office, 614-917-1040. You can also do it by making your appointment online. Their web address is aptuswealth, A-P-T-U-S, aptuswealth.com. You'll find a lot of great information there, as well as how to become a subscriber to Josh's YouTube channel, where a lot of the concepts we talk about here at length are broken down in smaller doses. And we've obviously been talking about the bank volatility this week and a couple of banks failing, the federal uh, officials jumping in to save depositors of those banks. And it really calls to mind the importance, Josh, of making sure that you occasionally do something that a term you've used before is stress test your allocations when it comes to your retirement savings. And I guess in this situation, these banks did not do an effective stress test. And these are are the kinds of times that people maybe take more of a keen interest than they do on a daily basis. And hey, where is my money? And is it safe? Yeah, I, I think any time you, you reach a point of uncertainty, it's a good time to kind of revisit where you're at. Mm-hmm. And and I think oftentimes when times get good, we kind of ignore it because everything's going good, so why uproot the apple cart? And then when times get really bad, we go, well, I don't even want to look at it. Hmm. Or, um, you know, now's not the time to make adjustments because I'm going to wait until it gets back to where it was. Yeah. When there are some things that you should be doing, regardless of whether or not things are good or things are bad, you should be... Uh, doing some keen investigation as to how do these things relate to you. And I think we kind of lose sight sometimes of 
this investment portfolio, we like to use these big words, portfolio or our you know, investment mix or our investment strategy, the purpose of all of this is usually to provide income when you no longer work. Mm-hmm. So all arrows should point towards how am I going to get to income when I retire when I'm not working? Or if you have another goal, it, all arrows should point towards whatever that goal is. And if you're thinking about, okay, so what can I do? Um, and, and maybe you're at this point in your life where you're 55 years old or 59 years old and, you know, you're kind of getting down that to that five-yard line of retirement. You say, sounds great, but I'm in a 401k. That's the, you know, that's the lion's share of my investments. What can I do? I have, I'm looking at my 20 options and my mm-hmm. 20 options are stocks, three bond funds and cash. Yeah. So I hear you talking on the radio and there's all these strategies you, you say we can implement. And they all sound great, but what does that have to do with me? Mm-hmm. I can't do anything. Well, a couple of things that you can do. Um, one, if you're over the age of 55 or 55, 59 and a half, most 401k plans, once you're 59 and a half, will allow you to do what's called an in-service rollover. And what that means is even though you're still working for your company, you can roll over a percentage or in many cases all of your 401k into a self-directed IRA. This is not a taxable event. You are just taking it from your company-sponsored plan into your own individual retirement account, and you can allocate those assets and invest in pretty much whatever you want to at that point. So all the strategies that we've talked about on the radio here are very much available to you. You said that's someone over 55? It depends on your individual plan. So it's either over 55 or 59 and a half, or maybe you can't. It all depends on what your company had set up. But for most people, if you're over the age of 59 and a half, you're probably good to go. And by most people, I would say I've only encountered a handful of times when you can. So you probably can. Now, does that mean that, you know, my company's giving me this match, which is great. I want to continue to get the tax deferral of my contributions in my 401k. You very much continue to make those contributions. You very much continue to receive your match. And then just periodically, you can take some money and move it back over into your self-direct IRA. So, you know, on one hand, 401ks are pretty good at keeping expenses really low, pretty good at doing some significant due diligence on the funds that are inside of it. Mm -hmm. In general, not all are created equal, but that's the advantage to them. And then your company provides a match, hopefully. That's an advantage. The disadvantage is limited plan options, very few fixed or hedged equity options. So if you're worried about volatility in the market, your choices are probably cash or cash. (laughs) You don't really have any other options. So this gives you an opportunity to kind of move it out. So let's assume that you have that option and you say, you know, and the the current economic times are terrifying me. I'm staring down, you know, I'm looking at the one yard line of retirement and I want to move some of that money and safeguard it, but I'm still contributing. What should I do with those dollars? Well, this is a, you know, a lot of people will call this in, in our world kind of a barbell approach and barbell approach simply means that rather than kind of investing everything the same way, you set yourself up in a scenario where on one side of the barbell, you have safe money. And on the other side of the barbell, you have aggressive money and you have kind of a gap in the middle. And the reason that people are starting to talk about the barbell approach again is because that gap in the middle always used to be filled with bonds. Okay. Well, now here we are in a raising interest rate environment. We just got done talking about how Silicon Valley Bank basically went belly up because of their bond holdings. Maybe long-term bonds aren't the good center of the barbell anymore, which is why it's not an even stretch. It's a barbell. It's weighted on both ends, right? So what you could do is move some money out of your 401k, put that in safer investments, 
And then your ongoing contributions going into your 401k. Well, we know the value of dollar cost averaging and buying shares. And eventually this too shall pass and we'll do well. Invest those ongoing contributions more aggressively and benefit from the volatility. That way you don't see your account value balance go from a million to a half a million. Or as one of my clients told me, your 401k goes to a 201k. Yeah. You know, keep your million dollars invested, but then your ongoing contributions you're taking the larger risk with. That's one approach that could really lessen this volatility blow and keep your psyche in the right place. So is it accurate to say that in an environment where there is unpredictability and volatility, that there is always a countermeasure that you can take to keep yourself from being harmed too badly. I mean, I don't want to oversimplify it. And, you know, we always make the, uh, the disclaimer that, you know, there's no guarantee of returns and all that. But it seems to me like in this bank situation, they got hurt because they had their money kind of in the wrong bucket. They bet long-term and they should have bet shorter term. They should have seen shorter term situations coming that would have been more advantageous than longer term. Is that true for the individual investor and the clients that you have in that it's a lot of time it is allocation, not so much, um, you know, a, a situation where you can't possibly hold off volatility. Yeah, I think the easiest way to explain this is on one end of the spectrum you have, I am just investing in the most aggressive thing that I can run across, and I'm just swinging for the fences. Yeah. And then on the other end of the spectrum you have, I'm putting the money, you know, $5 at a time in a bunch of different banks, so I have no FDIC risk, and I'm just being as safe as a human can can be safe. But in the middle you have shades of gray, and I think this is where – you know, our industry gets very convoluted and people are very unaware of the options that they have available to them. So let me give you some examples. If the market went up 10% and you were 100% exposed to the market, you would get 10%. Mm-hmm. The market went down negative 10%, you would get negative 10%. There are ways where you can take those bookends and narrow them. Move them, okay. Move them around. And there are ways to do that. Uh, let's just call them stop losses, if you will. So imagine you could go buy a stock right now and say, I'm going to pay $10 a share for it. But if that thing ever gets down to $9 a share, I want you to sell it. That's a very simplistic view of a stop loss, right? The downside of that is, well, then you're out of the stock. Mm -hmm. So there are ways where you can essentially, uh, either through an investment bank or through an insurance company or through doing it on your own, create an environment where if the market does well in that same scenario, maybe it goes up 10%, you don't get the full 10% because you're paying essentially like an insurance premium on the downside. So if it goes up 10 I don't get 10. I get 8. Yeah. But if it goes down 10, maybe I only go down 2. Well, maybe that's not good enough. I only want to go down 0. Well, clearly now you're going to get 8 anymore. Maybe you're only going to get 7. So there are ways where you can move those bookends to make the the outcomes more predictable. Now, am I suggesting that that is the single best way to invest for everybody listening for the rest of their lives? Of course not. But is that something that may allow you to weather the storm over the next year or two and keep you invested rather than you pulling all your money out, putting it in a bank, and just sitting around being terrified while inflation just erodes your purchasing power. Yeah, and true confession, folks, that's uh, a scenario what Josh outlined is is in the realm of what my wife and I found attractive. And honestly, you know, maybe it's a reflection on uh, on my ignorance, but I didn't even know those options were out there. That's why it benefits you to go in and have a consultation with Josh and his team to find out what's possible there might be things out there that are very possible, very doable, and you just don't know about them. There are tremendously varied investing options out there right now. Educate yourself, and what you will find as you become educated is you'll gain greater peace of mind, and that's really what I wanted 
when I sat with Josh was to find out, like, you know, here's where I've been, here's where I want to go, can I get there, how do I get there, and having a plan, having a blueprint for it really makes a lot of sense and gave my wife and I tons of peace of mind. You can set up your consultation by making your appointment on the phone, 614-917-1040 is their number at Aptus. You can also make your appointment by setting it up online. Their online address is Aptus Wealth, A-P-T-U-S, aptuswealth.com. Physical location is Lewis Center, but that's not an impediment to being a client. They do service a lot of their clients outside the area, and they do so remotely. That's very easy for them to do something they do all the time. So you used a a phrase a while ago, like if you're on the five-yard line, you're getting close to retirement. And typically that's been somebody who's like 60, 62. They want to take their uh, investments out of uh, the market or trend some of them a little bit closer into safer short-term things because we now have an inverted yield curve. Uh, that would seem to me to be like an ideal scenario for somebody like that. You're getting a higher return on short-term stuff, but I don't want to oversimplify it. Uh, is there a downside for people who are getting close to retirement to having higher yields in the short term than the typical higher yields in the long term? Um, you know, it's just a different uh, set of, it's just it's a, a different, different situation, situation to deal okay. with. Yeah, but I would say that if there's one thing that we've benefited from uh, here as of late is people who are retiring five years ago, they almost had to have an overexposure to the market to survive throughout retirement because what were fixed rates paying? Half a percent, one mm-hmm. percent. Mm-hmm. Maybe you could find a bond that was paying two. But when you had treasuries at less than two percent for a long, long time, you were left trying to figure out, do I just continue to take too much risk by being in the market? And then again, going back to that barbell, I have tons of risk and then just all this money sitting in cash earning nothing. Well, the good news is, Look at interest rates today. We just got done talking about in the previous segment how, you know, car loans went from 3% yeah. to I saw mortgage rates are are really tipping the scales at 7% right now in 30-year fix. That's that's a dramatic difference. It sure is. From what we saw before. Well, let's compare and contrast that to CDs, annuities, all the different things that one could purchase for fixed income. I've seen those rates go from 1% to 5 I've seen annuity contracts, you know, let's look at one of those hedging positions, and I said, well, you can get the upside potential of the market. Well, rewind the clock back to five years ago. You'd be lucky to get half of the return of the market. Mm -hmm. Fast forward to today, and that thing looks awful darn sexy. I mean, you can get almost all of it um, just because of the way that fixed rates are. So, you know, on one hand, it's terrible that we're in this terrible economic conditions, and it's terrible that we're looking down the barrel of this terrible inflationary problem. But that too shall pass, and it's a great time to buy fixed rates. This is the exact opposite of buying a 30-year fixed at 3%. Now you're buying fixed instruments instruments that are really high, knowing full well that inflation will not stay this high for the next 10 years. Mm-hmm. They'll have to pull it back down. Well, let's hope not. I mean, there's a lot of uh, kind of speculation about what the Fed will do because of this bank situation. In the past, if inflation seemed too hot, they just raise rates. Um are they in a tough spot knowing what to do here with this next Fed meeting coming up toward the end of the month? You know, I, I talked to a client the other day and I said, this is the really challenging thing that our federal government has to play with right now is that they really have, and I'm over, oversimplifying dramatically, but there are three things that between the Fed and the federal government they can do to help situations. When um, inflation starts getting out of control, the Fed has to start raising interest rates. When the economy starts struggling, the federal government can print money. Sure. The federal government can lower tax rates. 
well, we're already deficit spending, so we can't lower tax rates. As a matter of fact, we probably have to increase them, which increasing tax rates puts less money back in the consumer's hands, which affects the stock market. Mm -hmm. We can't lower interest rates because that just makes inflation even worse. We can't print money because that's what got us into this predicament to begin with. So our three kind of, you know, one, two, three punch levers that we pull to save, we've kind of run those all the way to the beach. We can't really do those anymore. So Unfortunately, the Fed, in my opinion, is left with this, how do we, and we've been talking about a soft landing for a long time. Well, clearly, as we look at banks out in California, we didn't land all that soft. No. Uh, so, you know, it's a struggling time. I think now is time to start uh, proceeding, particularly in your own investments, with some cautious uh, optimism, but very cautious, and start to create a plan that of if-thens. We're going to do this now, but if this occurs, we're going to start making changes. So we're not just haphazardly making emotional decisions like unfortunately I'm seeing a lot of people do. A lot of people are starting to pull, if you look statistically, pulling tremendous amounts of money out of their stock portfolios and simply putting them in cash. And that's going to be a lot of coulda, shoulda, wouldas in five or ten years. Yeah, that's a bad situation to be in. And uh, what I think maybe I can underscore, um, I can't underscore too seldom, is that a fiduciary like Josh is required by law to do what's best for you. So if you have distrust or doubt, know that legally, uh, I don't think he wants to spend any time behind bars, so he's going to do what is absolutely best for you. He's legally, legally obligated to do that. He's not the only one, but make sure that your investment advisor is a fiduciary. And uh, I would just highly recommend him. Personally, uh, I'm a client, so there you go. And I'm not getting paid to say that. That's just what it is. Set up your consultation, 614-917-1040, aptuswealth.com website, A-P-T-U-S, aptuswealth.com. So let's talk about estate planning. I would take it this is a pretty challenging time to be planning for an estate, but to not plan is a mess, too, because I've dealt with that with my parents. So what can you tell people who um, want to make uh, smart choices when it comes to their estate planning at a time where volatility is at a level that it hasn't been for quite some time? Well, the, the first answer seems pretty logical. Make sure you have one. Mm -hmm. um, and you'd be surprised, even people who have what most would consider a significant asset base, a significant amount of stuff, homes, cars, investments, maybe even rental property, mm -hmm. you would be shocked statistically how few have even a will, let alone an estate plan. So number one, make sure you actually have a will and estate plan. And I would say one Big error that you could make would be trying to do those things by yourself. Um, and I'm not suggesting that you can't go to sites like LegalZoom.com and yeah. set up a simple will. I'm not, I'm not saying that that's not a good option. What I am saying is if you think that taking out a napkin and writing it <laughs> down on a napkin while legally binding, by the way, that is actually is a legal right? binding, binding document. You can do that if you think that is going to make everything go squeaky smooth for you. Um, it's not. Yeah. No. Um, I'll tell you who it's really not going to make it squeaky smooth for is the people who are left behind to sort it all out. Yeah. And to that end, I would say, make sure that you're very, very specific and exactly what you want to have happen. And, and I'm saying leave out as much gray as you can. If you have, I have three boys and, uh, you know, with boys, uh, you know, let's say that I had uh, a Rolex watch mm -hmm. and I just leave it to my kids. Oh boy. Who gets it? Yeah. Right? So make sure that you address who gets what when it comes to the stuff that you think will actually, people will actually want. Um, you know, it used to be with, with women, for example, most of the conversations I had was, you know, China and jewelry. Mm -hmm. Make sure you decide which child gets which piece of jewelry. 
line item that out. The other thing that I see uh, sometimes, particularly in times like these, that is is cause for caution. Say somebody's got a bunch of stock positions or they have a bunch of bond positions and they pass away. And in their trust or in their will, it says, I want to leave X amount to charity. That's fine. That's great. I love it. However, what do you have to do to give the money to charity typically? you got to sell said positions mm. to send them to charity. Do you want to have enough cash available for that? Or do you want to have some parameters in your trust that says, well, in a time where the economy is in the toilet and my stock positions are down 20%, maybe let's hold off until they rally before we give that money to charity. That's up to you, but just things to start to think about. And you can be as specific as you want in estate planning. So I just met with a client the other day, and in their estate plan it says that for any child, and there's a lot of kids in this particular family, there's nine kids, any child when they get married has to have their new significant other sign a prenuptial agreement exonerating the trust. If they don't, they're out. That child is out. That child's out. Okay. So they can either, now it doesn't mean they have to sign a prenuptial agreement for their entire life. Right. Just exonerating their shares in the trust. You can be specific like that if you want. You could say, I want my kid to have access to the money in the trust, but only up to 5% for the purchase of a house. Only up to, I mean, you could do whatever you Mm -hmm. want, but you have to actually go and, uh, you know, set one up. The other thing I saw, um, that I thought was you know, really interesting, and I read this article called The Ten Most Costly uh, Mistakes in Estate Planning uh, through Forbes, and I thought it was great that I think it was number four uh, that they said, you know, make sure you understand how estate taxes are paid. I think this is critical, and it's the most under-understood uh, thing in probably all of finance is how trusts are taxed and how estate tax taxes are actually paid. So let's cover one of those. I think everybody, you know, conceptually says, I want to have a trust because it sounds cool. And, yeah. You know, it sounds like something that somebody with money does. Yeah, it sounds right. like a way to protect your money from the government getting it or to kind of provide for your heirs after you're gone. And it does. Um, a trust do bypass probate, but so does simply setting up a beneficiary on your 401k account. So in all of uh, estate planning, by the way, you want to make sure that as little as possible goes through your will. Because anything that goes through your will goes through probate. So you want to have as much possible go directly to your heirs through beneficiary designations, all of those types of probate bypassing type type ways of doing things. But how how taxes are paid out of a trust is very important. In in the United States right now, if if you're an individual and you want to get in the top tax bracket, top top income tax bracket, which is 37%, at least currently, you have to make over about a half million dollars a year. If you're a trust, remember a trust is like a like a non-natural person. It, a trust is its own entity. If the trust makes money and that money is not distributed to an individual, meaning that let's say you have a $5 million trust and that trust makes 10%, which is a half a million bucks, and they don't distribute that half a million bucks out to Bruce Hooley, mm-hmm. then you pay your personal income taxes on it. Sure. To get to the top tax bracket, the trust needs to make less than $15,000 a year to be, get to the top tax bracket. So that that hiding very much. It's not. So that hiding, the point is, if you have a gigantic trust and you say we're only going to distribute just a little bit out to the beneficiaries every year, note that your trust is going to get hammered full effect of the erosion of taxes while it's while it's growing along the way. So while trusts do some amazing things in the way of asset protection, asset distribution, controlling who gets money when and how 
um, you know, even after you're gone, creating a legacy for your heirs. All those things are true, but it doesn't mean that it doesn't come without potential hiccups and costs. And I don't see people really address those. I see them only talk about the good things, not the bad. Interesting. Um, I wouldn't have known that. I would, uh, but but this underscores the importance of uh, getting someone who knows the answers. I mean, I talk all the time about, you know, Sherry and I felt comfortable with you because you have like specific knowledge on a lot of things. But I think there are other instances where there's something that you would recommend people do if they want to get a trust. I mean, you would recommend like there are people who do that. There are people who do wills. It's really important. The fallacy that I think people make is they try to save in the short term by doing something themselves or doing it on the cheap or not getting somebody who's an expert. And the long-term consequences of that mistake in the short term are so much greater than if they would just access an expert who is out there who can help them accomplish what they're hoping to accomplish. Yeah. I mean, if, if no, for no other reason, this is a terrible way to explain it, but it's the truth. How many mistakes can one make in doing this occupation for 25 years, steady every day for 50 hours a week, right? I've seen them all. Yeah. Uh, if nothing else, use me as a as a lens into you know the things that you can do wrong. Yeah, What's I will the worst be able thing to tell that can you. Happen is sometimes a very good question to Right. Ask. If nothing else, you know the smell test on investments. I would say my sniffer is pretty good yep. at this point. You know, I've seen all the mistakes. I've seen the the big Bernie Madoffs, and I've seen unfortunately even here locally, I've seen a lot of uh, really horrendous scenarios where people got their money stolen. So, you know, my sniff test is pretty strong um, as to what is right and what is wrong. Um, in little things, and we were talking about estate planning, one that I would caution you on is if you get divorced, make sure you go relook at your estate plan again. I've seen that happen. It's not a good one. Yeah. Well, uh, listen, folks, I have known Josh for a long time. Uh, he has uh, demonstrated uh, clearly his wisdom to me. Set up your consultation, 614-917-1040, Aptus Wealth, A-P-T-U-S, aptuswealth.com. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.